0: This is Zach Driscoll, and I'd like to welcome you to The Real Men Podcast. To find more Bible teaching and content like this, visit markdriscoll.org. And don't forget to set aside a good chunk of time, because my dad has a habit of preaching lengthy sermons. Good morning, gentlemen. One of you jokers took my room last night. One of you guys went to the Sheraton and you thought, man, I didn't even have a reservation. And look at that, there's a big room with a bunch of beds. That was my room. We went to check in late last night and they checked us in, me and two guys with me, into one room with one bed. We opened the door, had that awkward look at one another. Thought, yeah, this isn't gonna work. Uh, They just legalized gay marriage in Seattle. You gotta be careful in these moments. The decisions you make are very important. So we went back downstairs and said, hey, this room is not gonna work. They said, well, we gave away your room. Here's another room. Send us up to another room, one bed. Three guys plus one bed equals forfeit your opportunity to preach and act like men. That's the math. (laughs) So I wanna publicly thank Landon for giving us his bedroom. We're gonna be uh, in Genesis chapter 11 today. If you've got a Bible, go there. Yes, we're gonna do something that's never been done. We're gonna go through a genealogy in a stadium in Canada. Never been done. Because how much of God's word is God breathed and profitable. How much? All. Oh, so the genealogies are great. And as you find your place in your Bible, I need you to know this that all men are created equal, but all men don't leave an equal legacy. Some men stamp their imprint on history in a way that other men do not. And today we're going to learn a little bit about a man named Abram or Abraham. And he is one of the most important people in the history of the world. Down in the States, we've got our Mount Rushmore with our fathers. If we were to make a Mount Rushmore for our spiritual fathers, well, of course, Jesus Christ, probably Adam, very important. I would say arguably number three on the list, Abraham. His name appears more than 300 times in the Bible, 11 New Testament books mention him, all four gospels mention him. You go to Hebrews chapter 11 on the Hall of Fame, the Mount Rushmore of the New Testament. Most guys get one verse, Moses gets six, Abraham gets 12. Abraham is the father of our faith. He is the physical father to many, particularly those who would be of Jewish origination and descent. He's also our spiritual father, through faith in Jesus Christ, and he's our example of faith in Jesus Christ. And for you men who are here, I want you to start thinking in terms of lineage, in terms of legacy. You're not just looking for a good time, you're looking for a good legacy, which means you single men, you're not just looking for a woman who's good in bed, you're looking for a woman who's good in life. It means we are thinking about physical, lineage and spiritual lineage, sons and daughters and sons and daughters by faith. And it is a man's opportunity, it's a man's obligation, it's a man's invitation to be thinking in terms of lineage and legacy. And Abraham models that for us with his physical and his spiritual children. Now, he is a patriarch. I want you men to become, if you are not already, Patriarchs Patriarchs are men who take responsibility firstly for themselves, secondly for their family and thirdly for others. Some of you men are irresponsible and today is the day of your salvation and your repentance that God is a father who loves his sons and God commands and calls his sons to be patriarchs, to be men who love him, who love their women, who love their children and have spiritual offspring. And we learn that from the example of our great father Abraham. Now, as we get into Genesis chapter 11, we're going to read a genealogy. You probably skip it if you do read your Bible. How many of you read your Bible? Okay. So if you read your Bible, when you get to the genealogies, what do you do? Turn the page. Bunch of guys I never met in a place I've never been and things I'll never know. We're going to read it carefully. In Genesis five, there's a genealogy. In Genesis 10, there's a genealogy. In Genesis 11, this is the continuation of the genealogy of the generations from our first father, Adam. Here we go, chapter 11, verse 10. This is the account of Shem. You're gonna hear about 10 generations listed in this genealogy. Uh, Some of you, any guys here named Shem? Yeah, your mom met well, your dad met well, they went to the concordance, they found the name Shem, thought, hey, that's cute. we'll, we'll name our kid a Bible name. This is a godless guy who went to hell. Bummer, bummer for you. They should have, they should have Googled dad, right? Your brother named Judas, he's particularly bummed. It was in the Bible. They should have done more homework, your parents. All right, this is the account of Shem, two years after the flood. So we're all the way back to the days of Noah, when Shem was 100 years old. Okay, men in that day, they, they tended to live a little longer. There's lots of debate as to why. Maybe the earth wasn't as polluted and corrupted as it is today. Maybe it was more like God intended. Maybe God poured out grace on his men. Maybe they didn't eat bacon, you know, whatever it was. They lived longer, they lived longer. Uh, he became the father of Arphaxads. So he say, is that how you spell it? Is that how you say it? I don't know. Say it fast, say it confident, and you can get a job in a stadium, speaking to lots of people. Just say it fast, say it confident. Here's the second generation, Shem to Arphaxad. And after he became the father of Arphaxad, Shem lived 500 years, a lot of candles on his cake, and had other sons and daughters. When Arphaxad lived 35 years, he became the father of Shelah. Okay, the subject I am commissioned to preach on today is be strong. You want your men to be strong. You want your sons to be strong. Name them Shelah. That'll do it right there. They will have to be strong. And after he became the father of Shelah, Arphaxad lived 403 years and had other sons and daughters. When Shelah had lived 30 years, he became the father of Eber, fourth generation. And after uh, he became the father of Eber, Shelah lived 403 years, had other sons and daughters. When Eber lived 34 years, he became the father of Peleg. There we are, fifth generation. Uh, and after he became the father of Peleg Eber lived 430 years had other sons and daughters uh, when Peleg lived 30 years he became the father of Ru sixth generation and after he became the father of Ru Peleg lived 209 years had other sons and daughters when Ru had lived 32 years he became the father of Serug seventh generation and after he became the father of Seir, Reu lived 207 years and had other sons and daughters. When Sarag had lived 30 years, he became the father of Nahor, eighth generation. After he became the father of Nahor, Sarag lived 200 years, and had other sons and daughters. When Nahor lived 29 years, he became the father of Terah, ninth generation. And after he became the father of Terah, Nahor lived 119 years, and had other sons and daughters. And after Terah lived 70 years, he became the father of who? Abram. Every man comes from another man. Every man comes from a genealogy, from a legacy, from a lineage of men. At the 10th generation, in this genealogy, we finally stumble upon a man named Abraham. He is not yet a godly man, he's a godless man. He does not have a godly legacy, he's the beginning of a godly legacy. Nahor and Haram, verse 27, this is the account of Terah, that's his dad. Think about your dad. Godly man, ungodly man. Man you are proud of, man you are ashamed of. Man you want to be like, man you pray you don't become like. Some of you men would look at your father and say, I don't want to be like him. Do you know what you want to be like? You can't just have bitterness and frustration against your father. You need to have a vision for your own future. And some of you men, you will never have the father you wanted to have. I don't believe Abraham did. But you can become the father that you never had. And you can stop looking back to what you did not get from your father and your grandfather and your great grandfather. And you can start looking forward to what by God's grace you will be for your sons, your grandsons and your great grandsons. Abram comes from a godless line of pagan men. These are not godly men, these are godless men. These are not men who worship the God of the Bible, they worship false gods. His father was a pagan, was a godless man. And this doesn't just mean that he was spiritual and had bad religion, it probably also means he was involved in sacrifices to false gods and probably even adultery against his own mother because false teaching always ends up in adultery. It always ends up in sexual sin of various sorts and kinds. Sound familiar? See, one of the problems is we'll look at what God did in Abraham's life and we will not look at what was happening before he met God. And as we examine what happened before he met God, it gives us encouragement that God can meet us where he met Abraham, he can help us like he helped Abraham, that he could turn us into patriarchs and give us new legacies and lineage just as he did Abraham. It does not matter who your father was. It matters if God is your father. That's the story of Abraham. And his father's name was Terah, and he was a godless man. This is the account of Terah, verse 27. Terah became the father of Abram. Later, his name is changed to Abraham. Nahor and Haran, those are his brothers. And Haran became the father of Lot. And while his father Terah was still alive, Haran died in Ur of the Chaldeans in the land of his birth. Joshua 24.2 says very clearly that Abraham's father was a pagan man who worshiped false gods. Does that sound familiar to any of you? Here's why the genealogy doesn't really matter to us because it's not our genealogy. But what if this was your name? What, is, what if this was the name of your father, your grandfather, your great-grandfather? What if this was the names of your sons, your grandsons, and your great-grandsons? Would you read it more carefully, more prayerfully, more, more committedly than, than you normally would? Yes, you would, right? This is an example for us that every man needs to examine from what lineage have I come and what legacy will I leave? The story continues. Verse 29, Abram and Nahor both married. The name of Abraham's wife was what? Sarah. And the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah. She was the daughter of Haran, the father of both Milcah and Iscah. Now Sarah was what? Barren. Any of you guys in that season? Child died, miscarriage, infertility, can't have a baby. Any of you tucking your wife in at night, wiping the tears from her eyes and begging God to open her womb because that's the longing of her heart. Any of you men like, like me had a wife who was pregnant and you were anticipating the birth of a healthy child and you miscarried and it was devastating because not only did you lose a child, you also could not fix it for your grieving wife. That's the story of Abram and Sarah. He's an elderly man with a godless father and a barren wife. And a barren wife. And in that day, they would have considered that God's curse against them. If God doesn't give you children, maybe he doesn't love you. How many of you felt that? So you're looking at adoption, praise be to God. You're looking at foster care, praise be to God. You're looking at spiritual sons and daughters and ways you can invest in those who are coming to faith in Jesus Christ, praise be to God. But still doubt in your heart and in your wife's heart, you want a baby. Well, there's hope. There's hope for you men with godless fathers. There's hope for you men from godless families. And there's hope for you with barren wives. Verse 31, Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, not a great guy, by the way. And if you have some guys in your family, you're like, wow, really? Can we trade that guy in for anything? He's not helpful. Lot later is gonna impregnate his daughters, right? 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 You don't have to be a Christian and go, I think that's wrong. It is, it is. Lot's not a great guy. And his daughter-in-law Sarah, the wife of his son, Abram, and together they set out from her, the Chaldeans, to go to Canaan, pagan, dark area. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Terah lived 205 years and he died in Haran. Has God spoken yet? No. Has God showed up yet? No. What's the story? Generation after generation after generation of godless pagan men marrying, having sons and daughters, the entire family being stacked up like kindling to be set on fire because they are rebellious against God. Some of you, that is your family history, that is your family legacy. Do not be deceived. God will not be mocked. Your father, your grandfather, your great-grandfather, and all of their sons and daughters, they are rebels against the living God. They have turned their back on his goodness and grace. They are stacked up like kindling for the day of flaming and fire in the conscious eternal torments of hell. That's all that's happening right up to chapter 12. That's it. It doesn't go well for everyone. It does not go well forever. This is a day of cowards. Men will not preach the gospel. They will not preach the wrath of God. They will not preach the pain of hell because they are afraid. They're afraid of the opposition in this life when they should be afraid of the opposition that will face them in the life to come for being false prophets, preaching a false gospel, and giving a false hope in a false God who does not save. Up until this point, it's godless men in a parade to death. And then comes Abraham. He's not a godly man, he's not a devout man. He's just like every other man, like father, like son. But chapter 12, something happens. I pray it happens to you. If it has not happened already, the Lord, See up until this man, this man, this man, this man, this man, this man, the Lord, the Lord, this is God. This is the one true God. This is the only God. This is the living God. This is the creator God. He said, our God speaks. Our God speaks. Everything changes when God's word is unleashed. How many of you men wanna hear a word from God, right? Then read the book that God wrote. Then read the book that God wrote. To my Pentecostal and charismatic brothers, let me tell you this, you rightly want to hear God speak. So open the book he wrote. He got a few words from God and it changed his entire legacy. You and I have the entire word of God. It could also change our legacy. We pick up this word to hear from our father. This is a living word. It's a timeless word. It's a perfect word. And that's the word that God brings to Abraham. God speaks to him. And everything changes when God speaks to a man. The Lord said to Abram, leave your country. Has God called any of you to move, to relocate, for work or for ministry? Maybe to separate from your family or to start over to pursue opportunity your people. This is a very sacrificial move that God is asking. Leave the place that you have been and the people that you know, and your father's household. See, men are to leave their father and mother. Some of you men, the sin in your life, the struggle in your life, the strife in your life is because of this, you've not let, you've not left your father's household. You're still thinking like your father. You're still acting like your father. You're still speaking like your father. Peter says it this way in the New Testament, that God has redeemed us through Jesus Christ and he has redeemed us, quote, from the hollow and empty way of life handed to us by our fathers. Now, if you have a godly father, we're not talking about leaving father. We're talking about learning from father and loving father. But if you have a godless father, you have to leave your father. You cannot be true to your family. You must be true to the family of God. You cannot be true to your earthly father if it means you're in defiance to your heavenly father. This is a very difficult call for Abraham. It means he's leaving the land and that was his inheritance. It means he's leaving his wealth. It means he is living the security of the family that has surrounded him. And God makes a promise. Go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. His wife is barren. His wife is barren. And God promises to make him a great nation. Some of you men are waiting for God to give you a sign and he's asking for obedience to his word. If you will trust him, then he will deliver, but he will do not deliver until you trust him. At this point, he has a barren wife and God says, I'll make you a great nation if you obey me. He has to obey God to see God's blessing. Obedience first, faith before sight, trusting before realizing God's promises. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. You know why a man would not want to leave his father? Because of the blessings, the security, the land, the family business, the income, the inheritance. And God says, leave and I will be the one who blesses you. I will make your name great. Isn't that what we want, men? Yes, we want to make the name of God great. We also want to make the name of our family great. Whatever your last name is, don't you want men who are honorable, men who are dignified to carry your last name into the future? It's part of how we honor our father is by living in such a way that that the name that our father gave us is honored. And you will be a blessing I will bless those who bless you and curse whoever curses you, I will curse." And here it is. And all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. That's the promise of who? Jesus. Abraham is the model and example of faith and his faith was in the coming of Jesus Christ. And this was all to set up the coming of Jesus Christ. The hero of the story is not Abraham, it's Jesus. That through this man, Abraham would come a family. Through that family would come the nation of Israel from the nation of Israel would come the greater Abraham, the blessing to the nations of the earth, Jesus Christ. The God who's speaking to Abraham is Jesus Christ. So Abram, what? He left. What do you need to leave? Who do you need to leave? How do you need to leave? When God calls a man, he calls him to leave something and to trust him for something else. And Lot went with him, Abraham was how old? 75, how many old guys in the house, right? I met a guy yesterday, I think his mom dropped him off. There's some young guys too, right? Old guys in the house, old guys are good at excuses. I'm old, I'm settled in, I've got my routine. Those kinds of risks are for young men. That's why old men sometimes don't start businesses. They don't plant churches. They don't go into ministry. They don't take risks. They settle in. But we worship Christ, not comfort. Here, Abraham is a 75-year-old man, and he's gonna leave everything and start over with a barren wife and nothing but a promise from a God he just met. He took his wife, Sarah's nephew, Lot, all the possessions they'd accumulated, the people they had acquired in Haram, their whole household, and they set out for the land of Canaan and they arrived there. I want you to see here that, that God is a father calling Abraham to leave his father so that God could be his father and God could make him a father. I want you to know four things about God the father. Number one, he chooses you. Here, Abraham is not calling out to God, crying out to God, come seek me, save me, find me, nothing. Nine, nine, nine generations of godless men. The 10th generation is a godless man. And God shows up and God chooses him and God seeks him and God pursues him. When you tell your story of salvation, talk about how God found you, not how you found God. From Genesis 3 forward, we have run from God and God has run after his rebellious, disobedient, defiant sons. Abraham is not seeking God. God is seeking Abraham. You are not seeking God. God is first seeking you. God is a father who chooses you. Every father has a right to choose from whatever orphans there may be, those that are adopted into his family. God is a father who chooses whatever orphan sons he wants in his family. Number two, God speaks to you. God spoke to Abraham, God speaks to you, God speaks to me. He speaks firstly and primarily through the word of God, which he has written. This is magnificent. How many of you, your father never gave you wisdom. Your father never taught you much. Your father never spoke to you when it really mattered. God the father is not a father like that. Through wise counsel around you with godly men, through Bible teaching, you will sit under as an act of worship in the church from the personal reading of God's word to the leading internally of the Holy Spirit. God does and will speak to you, amen? Amen. How nice it is that we're not sons who have a father who will not talk to us. Number three, God is a father who gives you commands, not suggestions, commands. One of the great problems with spirituality in our day is that we use God rather than obey God. We want God to glorify us rather than our lives to glorify him. We want to go to God and tell him what we want and tell him what we need. And God comes to us and he commands and he demands and he gives orders. He is the father, we are the sons, amen? And he shows up and he commands Abraham, essentially saying what Jesus would say to his disciples some years later, come follow me. That's God's call. That's always God's call. Come follow me. Number four, God is a father who loves to bless. One of the first things we learn about God in Genesis is that he blesses. It says that God made Adam and Eve and he blessed them. God likes to bless. Sometimes those blessings are internal, clear conscience. Sins are forgiven through Jesus Christ. You can wake up in the morning and look in the mirror without feeling ashamed and embarrassed because you're a new man, a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. All things have been made new. And it's a great blessing to not just be an upgraded version of your old self. Sometimes that blessing is internal. Sometimes it is external, a wife, children, a job, health, possessions, be good stewards of them. In addition, those blessings are eternal. They're stored up in the kingdom of God. And there is blessing, internal, external, and eternal for the sons of God. And God loves to bless. How many of you are fathers? Fathers, do you delight in blessing your children? Do you find particular joy in blessing your children? That is the father heart of God toward you. You do not need to earn his favor, his love, his approval. In fact, he gives it to you and he longs to bless you. The story continues, chapter 12, verse six. Abraham traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. At the time, the Canaanites were in the the land. Canaanites, okay, let's think about good guys or bad guys? Bad guys, bad guys. They don't like God. See, they got a family lineage too, generation after generation of godless men. The Lord appeared to Abraham and said, God's gonna speak again. To your offspring, I will give this land. The language there is seed. You go to Matthew's genealogy, Jesus is the seed of Abraham. You go to Galatians and Paul says, the seed is singular, not plural. It's not, not talking about the nation of Israel. It's talking about one man from the nation of Israel. What's his name? Jesus Christ. Everything about Abraham is pointing to the coming of Jesus Christ. This is the land. This is the land to which Jesus would come, to which God would enter into history and walk upon. So he built an altar there. What's he gonna do, men? He's gonna worship God. He's gonna worship God. Who had appeared to him. From there he went toward the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord." God speaks, Abraham obeys, he worships God, and he calls out and cries out to God, his father. How many of you, you had a son and he was in need and he cried out to you? How many of you men dropped everything you were doing to run to your son? How many of you men, you've got little boys like I do. My youngest is seven. And you could tell the difference in their cries. He's sad, he's tired, he's injured. You know that that tone, you know that one for your son? One, you could just tell he's fighting with his brothers, his brothers are bigger and he's whining. I don't need to drop everything and run. Other times you hear the cry and you realize, no, that's an injury, he's hurt. This is important, this is serious. You drop everything and run. God is a father who always has his ear open toward his sons. Abram is a new believer. He just got converted. He's a brand new Christian. He got saved at 70 some, maybe five years of age. And what he learns is even though I'm an old man, I'm still a son of the living God who is my father. And just as a son would call out and cry out to me, I need to call out and cry out to him. And just as I would run to serve my son, so my heavenly father runs to serve me. Think of yourselves as loved adopted sons with a father whose ear is always open. Do all of the promises to Abraham come true, yes or no? Yes or no? Yes, his wife has a child. So does his girlfriend. Not ideal. Not ideal. Right? And sometimes we tell the story like they met Jesus and their life was changed forever. And we edit out and omit some of the mistakes that men make. Abraham was a loved man, an adopted man, a forgiven man, a saved man, but he was not a perfect man. Not a perfect man. Now, here's where I wanna go with this. He is our example of faith. This is important. Jesus Christ is our object of faith. Abraham is our example of faith in Jesus Christ. The New Testament makes it very clear, Romans 4 and elsewhere, Abraham is our example of faith. Faith is two things, men. It's internal conviction that leads to external action. Faith is internal conviction that leads to external action Abraham, we are told, believed the Lord and it was credited to him as righteousness. That's what the Bible says. That he believed, he trusted, he had faith in the promises of God, but it demonstrated itself in action. If you believe that Jesus loves the church, then you need to be part of one. If you believe that God wrote the Bible, then you need to read one. If you believe that God forgives sin, then you need to confess your own. If you believe that God owns all that is under your jurisdiction, then you should give generously. Faith is an internal conviction that leads to an external action. Faith is not just what we believe, it's also what we do. Each of you men demonstrated faith on your wedding day, those of you who were married at some point. When you stood on the altar and you looked down the aisle and the woman was walking toward you, your presence indicated trust in God and also a degree of trust in that woman. Faith is not just what we believe, it is how we behave. Do you understand that? Some of you men, you would say, I love Jesus in here, but I don't love Jesus out there. Then that's not biblical faith. Biblical faith is conviction in here and action out there. And the two actions are congruent with with the convictions internally. Now here's why I feel compelled to share this with you. Number one, here's why I picked a genealogy. Here's why I picked a part of the Bible that probably no one else would choose. Number one, Satan is a father who works through his sons. Satan is a father who works through his sons. How do I know that? Because Jesus told me. Jesus shows up in John 8, 44. he says this, Quote, you belong to your father, the devil. Some of you may say, I'm not a Christian. Then your father is the devil. Your father is the devil. Your father is, hear me, hear me. It's my job to tell the truth. It's your job to make a decision. It's my job to tell the truth. It's your job to make a decision. If you do not belong to Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ says, and I quote, your father is the devil. He is a rebel. He is a lawbreaker. He is a glory stealer. He is a hell filler, and that's your father. Hear me on this. Man, the most important decision you will ever make is which God you worship. You need to take this very, very, very seriously. You must consider this very, very, very soberly. Some of you are so busy with life that you have not given thought to your eternal life. Might I encourage you to do so today. When we hear of these sons of Satan, when we hear of these sons of Satan, there are other families in the Bible, the Edomites, the Canaanites, the Pharaohs, the Herods. We just looked at nine generations of sons of the devil And then God starts over with the man named Abraham. Number two, God is a father who works through his sons. God here adopts Abraham, makes him a son, and then gives Abraham sons. Do you know Abraham's sons' names? Abraham, what's the next guy? Isaac, Jacob, generations. So in the Bible, God is called the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. This would be like my son, Zach. He's my firstborn, Zachariah Blaze. the God of Mark, the God of Zach, and he's only 14, but one day should he have a son, three generations worshiping my God. Here's the big idea. Point number three. Every man, every man, every man is a link in a chain. That's the point of the genealogy scattered throughout the Bible. Every man is part of a legacy. Every man comes from other men before him and will leave a legacy for other men after him. Every man is a link in a chain. One of the great lies that Satan is told is that you're each an individual and that what you do does not affect anyone else. That's BS. Look at your father and tell me if that was true. Tell me if that was true. that the decisions you make don't ring for generations toward life or death. Every man is a link in a chain toward life or death, son of God or son of the devil. And what we just saw was nine generations, every link in the chain, a son of the devil. And then God shows up and saves Abraham, makes him a son of God, and then he starts a new chain of faith and Abraham is that first link. And the Bible goes so far as to say that thousands of years later, you and I, were links in Abraham's chain. He is our father by faith, that we worship the God of Abraham, amen? Amen. This is the whole point, that you and I are not, we're not the most important person on the earth. We're not the first generation on the earth. That we're either sons of the devil or we're sons of God the Father. That we either follow the pattern of terror, or we follow the pattern of Abraham. Let me start by speaking to you men who are your strong links in the chain. I know when we come to a men's conference, we, we tend to pound on the guys who are weak links in the chain. Some of you men are strong links in the chain. You know you're not perfect but you do love Jesus, you do hate sin, you are serving your church, you are leading your family, you are blessing your wife, you are praying over your children, you are sharing your faith. Right, then you are a son in whom he is well pleased. Be encouraged today. Not every man is a godless man. Not every man is a rebellious man. Not every man is a defiant man. Not every man is a man who needs a strong rebuke. Some men need strong encouragement. Now, in a room like this, I know that there are perhaps not many. And for you self-righteous religious guys who think you're better than other guys, I'm not talking about you. Pride is the worst sin of all. That's how you become a son of the devil. So you're worse than you thought. But for you men who have tender conscience and you do love Jesus and you're walking by faith as Abraham did and life is hard and life is difficult and there is opposition and there is cost. There was cost for him economically. There was cost for him physically. There was cost for him relationally and there are costs for you. Prices you will pay to follow God as father. Let me start by encouraging you and saying, praise be to God because maybe maybe you come from a long line of faith Maybe you are a strong link in the chain and it started with your dad or it started with your granddad or it started with your great, 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 great great granddad. But somewhere along the line, God grabbed a guy with your last name. And like he did to Abraham, he saved him and he changed him and he called him and he sent him and he used him and and you're part of that legacy. You're, You're one of the links in that chain and you're a strong link in that chain. I want you to praise God for that. And I want you to know that even though it's hard, the guys surrounding you, they wish their dad knew and loved Jesus. They wish their granddad knew and loved Jesus. They wish that they were part of a legacy of faith. There are men in this room, the greatest long of their heart would be to see their father confess sins to Jesus and just simply repent to them. But those of you men who are strong links in the chain, stay strong by the grace of God. Number two, some of you men are the, you're the first links in the chain. I mean, you, you are first, first believer, right? It all is gonna start or stop with you. That's my story. I'll tell you a little bit of my story. We were the Old Driscoll's. We come from County Cork, Southern Ireland, okay? So I'm a Mick. And we we fled during the potato famine. As far as I could tell, my great-great-grandmother, whatever it was, apparently died probably from typhoid or starvation. Famine hit the land. Previously, many generations prior, we had been, as far as I could tell, wealthy warrior clan. And we had castles and we had land and we were powerful and the men were successful. We knew how to fight. And then we were defeated because eventually God opposes the proud. We were dispossessed from our land and we lost everything. But unlike Abraham, when he lost everything, he turned to the Lord. We did not turn to the Lord. We turned to alcohol and violence. In fact, I took a trip to Ireland a couple of years ago, found that in Baltimore Harbor in Southern Ireland, um, there was a, a number of ships that would pass through. And the ones that carried alcohol my relatives who decided to be pirates would row out, they would seize the ship and steal the alcohol, okay? So we were liquor pirates, that's my ancestry. Okay? Some of you guys would come here, say, you know, Mark really needs to mature in some areas. Dude, look at the progress, right? Look at the progress, right? look at the progress. Like You know, the fact I'm not out in the parking lot stealing your car radio is indication of God's grace, okay? And here's the big idea, don't judge a man by where he is, judge a man by how far he's come. Some of you religious guys, your dad loved Jesus, your granddad loved Jesus, your great granddad loved Jesus. You were born on the five yard line. If you fall down, you score, right? (laughs) Some of us were born in the parking lot, right? We haven't even made it into the stadium yet. So my family, historically for generations, wife-beating alcoholics, sound familiar to any of you? We would drink our liquor, we would rob our ships, and we would beat our women. That, That was the Driscolls. During the famine, Two men moved to the United States, but they didn't do what Abraham did. They didn't turn to the Lord and worship the Lord and call on the Lord. They kept drinking and beating their wives. I come from a long line of wife-beating alcoholics. Some of my goals are real simple. I wanna be the, one of the first guys to, to have the same last name and not beat his wife. I want, I want to be one of the first guys who, I want to be one of the first guys with my last name who, who never needs somebody to post bail for him. All right, two cousins about my age in and out of prison for assault. It's, it's a really sad family legacy. And then at the age of 19 and like Abraham, not a great guy self-righteous, went to college, first guy in my family to ever go to college, most likely to succeed. You know, I'm a self-reliant, self-made, tough guy. God saved me. God saved me. And, And what God did, first link in the chain. As far as I can tell, the first man in my direct family line that I can find whoever actually was saved and worshiped Jesus as God. First link in the chain, okay? Now here's why I share that with you. Now my sons, who do you think they worship? What God do you think they're learning about? What book do you think they're reading? Right, it's all about Jesus. That's the point of the genealogies is to be thinking, where have I come from and where am I going? What legacy have I inherited and what legacy will I leave? And then God did something amazing. One of the first things I had to deal with was my bitterness against my father. My dad loved me, stayed married to my mom. He stopped the drinking, but we didn't get along real well. I was the first link in the chain. And then God saved my dad. Then God saved my dad. And all of a sudden I was the second link in the chain. A very happy second link in the chain. A very happy second link in the chain. How many of you men, you're the first link in the chain, but if you became the second link in the chain, that would be even better? Amen? Okay. As long as your dad is alive, don't stop praying for him. Don't stop pursuing him. Don't stop hoping for him. One of the greatest days of my whole life I took my dad my mom, my kids, we went to Israel. My son Calvin, he's my middle son of three boys, said, Dad, I want you to baptize me in the Jordan River where they baptized Jesus. My dad said, Mark, I want you to do the same for me. I climbed down into the same waters where Jesus was baptized, showing his sinless life, his death burial, his resurrection, in our place for our sins to make sons of the devil, sons of the father. I baptize my son, turn around and baptize my dad, Three generations, like Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. How many of you men are like me and you're the first link in the chain? Those of you men who are first link in the chain, Would you do me a favor and stand up? First links in the chain. Remain standing. You first links in the chain, okay? Praise God for you. Praise God for you men. Praise God for you men. Number one, if your father, your grandfather doesn't know Jesus, pray for them, talk to them, pursue them, hope for them. As long as they're alive, don't give up hope that God could find them and save them, amen? Number two, I need you to be strong. I need you to be strong because as we looked at here, the God you worship will be the God that your children worship. It will be the God that your grandchildren worship. It will be the God that your great-grandchildren worship. The number one variable that determines the spiritual life of a child is the behavior of their father. If the wife converts and the husband does not, the tendency is that the sons do not convert either. You are the leader of your family. Your wife is your responsibility. Your sons are your responsibility. Your daughters are your responsibility. And it doesn't end when they turn 18. They're your children for the rest of your life. Who your daughter marries is your responsibility. Who your sons marry is your responsibility. That God has entrusted to you a legacy. And you, like me, probably have a legacy that you are ashamed of and embarrassed by. Things that men with your last name have done that you are haunted by, and in your worst moments, you are imitating them. You're downloading porn like your dad. You're getting drunk like your grandpa. You're yelling at your wife like your great grandfather. You are following in the path of folly. And here's what I need you to think in those moments. What I am doing will ring for 10 generations. Hundreds and thousands of people potentially with my last name will be doing what I'm doing or not doing what I'm doing. They'll be worshiping who I'm worshiping or not worshiping who I'm worshiping, amen? Will you men covenant with me today to by the grace of God be strong links, strong first links in that chain? You can take a seat. My second question for you men is this. Which of you men is the weak link in the chain? You are You're the weak link in the chain. Maybe your dad loves the Lord, maybe your granddad loves the Lord, maybe your great granddad loves the Lord, maybe your wife loves the Lord, maybe even a couple of your kids love the Lord, but you know it. You are, you, are, you are the weak link in that chain. If it's gonna break, it's gonna break with you. If it's gonna fall apart, it's gonna fall apart with you. If that legacy is gonna end, it's gonna end with you. You're not the guy who's reading his Bible. You're not the guy who's confessing his sin. You're not the guy who's asking for the power of the Holy Spirit. You're not the guy submitting to spiritual authority in the church. You're not the guy who's praying with his wife. You're not the guy who's sharing the Bible with his kids. You're not the guy who's giving to the cause of Jesus. You're not. You're not, and you know it. And you have been borrowing the faith of your father or your grandfather, your mother, your grandmother, or your wife. If you are a weak link in the chain, I want you to have the courage to stand in front of these men. If you are the weak link in the chain and you know it, I want you to have the courage to stand in the presence of God and these men. Is that all the weak links or are they too weak to stand up? I'll tell you what, men, if you're strong enough to defy God, you should be strong enough to stand up. If you're gonna deny him privately, you should have the courage to at least admit it publicly. The only thing worse than a hypocrite is a hypocritical coward. Any other weak links in the house? I want you men to understand, if you come from a legacy of faith, and the generations before you loved Jesus, the first links in the chain would tell you that that is a great gift, amen? How many of you men wish you came from a legacy of faith? You wish your dad prayed with you. You wish your granddad prayed for you. I'll tell you what, I came home a couple weeks ago. I'm looking for my kids, can't find them. We'd been out on date night, my wife Grace and I. I run upstairs, where are my boys, where are my boys? They're in their room, my three boys praying with my dad. Okay, I don't cry a lot and when I do, it's only for a good reason. But when you come from a long line of wife-beating alcoholics and you can't find your three sons because they're praying with their grandpa, that's a good reason to have leakage, amen? You men who are weak links in the chain, one event doesn't fix everything, but it can begin the process of becoming a strong link in the chain. This includes repenting of your sin. For those of you men who are young, this means putting away childish and foolish ways of living. There's nothing wrong with acting like a boy if you're a boy. But Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, I thought like a boy, I acted like a boy, I spoke like a boy, and when I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. You men, it's the day where you bury your old life and like Abraham, you walk away from it. You put your childish ways behind you. Whatever sin has tempted you, you need to think of it in terms of the legacy you want to leave. And if you're here with your father, you're here with your grandfather, and you know you're the weak link in the chain, would you right now turn to them, take a moment and apologize to them, and then sit down? Do it now. How many of you men, by the grace of God, wanna be a strong link in the chain? You deeply, truly, earnestly, sincerely, wanna be a strong link in the chain? You wanna have a faith in Jesus that is inward, that manifests itself outward. You want it to affect your sexuality, your marriage, your children, your budget, your work, your life. You want it to be passed on to your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren. You wanna become the kind of man that your sons should be like and your daughters should marry. That's the high calling and honor to be a patriarch. For those of you men who desire that, I want you to stand so that I can pray for you in closing. And I want the other men who are with us to covenant, to walk with you by God's grace to help get you there together. A couple of things I wanna tell you. Number one, God is your father. Number two, Jesus is the son of God. Don't you love that God uses that language? Number three, Jesus is the greater Abraham. Number four, Jesus is the seed of Abraham. Number five, Jesus left his father's house. Number six, Jesus moved to a foreign land. Number seven, Jesus is the blessing to the nations. Number eight, Jesus is the savior of men and their sons and their grandsons and their daughters and their granddaughters. Number nine, Jesus is not only our example of faith, but he's the object of our faith. And number 10, Jesus did not die a godless man, but the God man died for godless men to make us God's men. I'm gonna ask you to pray with me. I want you to keep your eyes open. Sometimes we close our eyes when we pray. God's men need to keep their eyes open. I want you to look around. I want you to see that there are other men who wanna be strong links in the chain. And as some of you drive home in the car together, you go back to the house, to the. Place of work, to the college, the university, to the church, whatever it may be. I want you to walk together as brothers. And I want you to walk together helping one another become strong links in the chain for a legacy and a lineage. And next time you're tempted to sin, I want you to ask, What will this do to my marriage? What will this do to my family? What will this do to my legacy? Repeat after me Holy Spirit, make me strong. strong. In a long chain of faith. Give me sons and grandsons. Make them strong links in the chain of faith. Give me daughters and granddaughters. Make them strong links in the chain of faith. Give me spiritual sons and daughters. Make them strong links in the chain of faith. God, be my Father. father. Jesus, Jesus, be my Savior. God, right now I pray for these men. I pray for the men who are coming to faith in the Lord Jesus. They're like Abraham, they're starting to walk with you today. I pray that they would walk away from their old way of life and walk into their new way of life. God, I pray for those men who are first links in the chain, that they would be strong links in the chain. I pray for generations that would know love and serve you with their last name. I pray that they would go home and repent to their wives and their children and their grandchildren, that they would demonstrate courage and humility. Lord God, I pray for those men who are strong links in the chain, that you would encourage them and strengthen them and keep them strong. And Lord God, I pray for those men who are weak links in the chain. They worship comfort and not Christ. They're into porn and not marriage. They want to use people and not serve them. These are men who are living under the blessings of the covenant while denying everything that the covenant obligates them to. Lord God, I pray that they would come to repentance, that they would come to their senses. And God, I feel inclined particularly to pray for the young men as we live in a day when young men are less likely than women to go to college, to get a job, to have a driver's license or go to church. God, we've got a lot of men who are just boys that can shave. They're irresponsible. They don't submit to authority. They don't commit to anything. They're not worried about their legacy. They don't have a strong work ethic. They have a strong play ethic. Lord God, I pray you would save them from themselves. I pray you would cause them to see you as their father. I pray that they would repent to their earthly fathers and grandfathers and spiritual fathers and grandfathers. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would save them from a hollow and empty way of life. And I pray that you would give them a vision for their legacy and lineage. And Lord, I thank you that there is the Lamb's book of life. And one day in the kingdom, gathered around the Lord Jesus' throne, singing his praises, that book will be opened and names will be read. And I pray, Lord God, that that book will be filled with names of people with our last name people that haven't been born yet, people that haven't even walked upon the earth yet, people that will come long after we're gone and they will tell the story. My great, 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 great grandfather met Jesus and we all walked in a single file line into the kingdom of God together forever. Amen.